0: leaders are what? Readers. Readers. And uh, everybody's a leader. Everybody's a leader in the sense that we influence people in our lives. And if you want to grow as a leader, you've got to read. Now, I know some of you made a uh, pact uh, maybe with the devil, I'm not really sure, but when you graduated either high school or college, you told yourself, I will never open another book as long as I live. And so if you've kept that promise, um, and then others of, you, others of you are just natural readers, and you love to read. If, I, if somebody recommends a book, you'll go get it and read it. And then we have everything in between. Well, uh, what we do over the summer is say, hey, these are five books worth reading, and uh, some of these books we've done as life groups before, uh, some are new, some are old, uh, and then what we say is they're, they're good books, read them. And then uh, each Sunday, uh, like at the movies, I will use uh, the subject matter of these different books uh, as uh, the subject matter for my message that Sunday. And, uh, and then encourage you to read them over the summer as well. So, anyway, there's an insert here for that. Kind of goes over the different books that we're using this summer. And then there's a table in the Welcome Center uh, where you can actually purchase the books here uh, at a pretty cheap price. And so, uh, Pam will be at the uh, table this morning taking your money, or you can swipe or designate, do whatever you need to do, and kind of let her know that you've already paid for it, either in the offering or the card swiping machine or, or whatnot. But um, anyway, it's going to be a great series. Go ahead and get the books uh, and start uh, start reading. Um, life is tough sometimes. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Life is hard. Um, you know, there's a lot of people here at Coastal who have had so many things hit you all at once. And, and man, when I, when I sit and I think about your story or I think about what you're going through right now... Um, it really breaks my heart because I know for some of you, uh, you really are at the point of despair and uh, you're feeling pretty hopeless. Uh, in fact, um, it feels like you've had the hope kicked right out of you. You know, that, that's, that's the way it feels. And, and uh, maybe you feel hopeless about the marriage that you're in. Uh, some of you feel hopeless that you're never going to get married. Um, maybe you feel hopeless that, um, about having a child. Uh, some of you are hopeless about the child that you have, and you're having some issues there at home. Um, maybe you feel hopeless about a financial situation that you have, or your health, or an illness in your family, or a friend. Maybe you feel hopeless that you're in a situation that you just feel like is never, ever going to change. And it's out of your control, and out of your power, and, um, and you're hopeless, uh, that's really why, uh, one of the reasons why I like this movie so much today. Uh, the, the movie uh, Shawshank Redemption is all about the power of hope in a hopeless situation. Uh, salvation in the midst, on the other side of, uh, of suffering. Uh, the movie, of course, tells the story of Andy Dufresne, um, a successful banker who is sentenced to life at Shawshank State Prison. Uh, for the murder of his wife and her lover, uh, despite his claims of innocence. Uh, while in prison, Andy uh, finds an unlikely friend uh, in an African-American man by the name of, anybody know? Red, uh, who's known to be able to get things. Uh, much of the movie is narrated by Red, and uh, you might say that the movie is a, uh, I mean, it's, it's a dark, hard movie, uh, and it's definitely an exploration of the, the depravity of, of man, the, the, the dark side of human nature, uh, but from there all the way to the heights of redemption. Now, uh, when the movie was first released, honestly, it was kind of a, a box office disappointment um, or a box office sleeper uh, at best, uh, although it received multiple uh, Academy Award nominations uh, and, and great, great reviews from critics and and uh, moviegoers alike for its uh, story, its acting, and its realism. And it really kind of is one of those movies that definitely gained kind of a cult following uh, over the years. And uh, probably one of the most shown movies, I think, on TNT or TBS. You can't, uh, you know, a weekend doesn't go by where they're not showing this movie. Um, And it's it's been included now in uh, many uh, all-time favorite lists of, of great movies. Uh, The whole movie, though, revolves around this idea of hope. But what is hope, right? You know, I mean, think about it. You know, is hope just a, is it just a pipe dream, uh, a delusion, you know, a a refusal to accept reality? Well, that that is what one of the characters uh, read. And many of those who have become, as he describes, institutionalized uh, have come to believe that it's just a, a refusal to accept reality. In fact, here's what he said about hope uh, early on in the movie. Hope, let me tell you something, my friend. Hope is a dangerous thing. Hope can drive a man insane. It's got no use on the inside. You better get used to that idea. Now, that could sum up how many of you feel today about hope. You know, it's almost like in your mind, you, you, you feel like, well, you know, you know better. You know, you've gotten worked up one too many times. You've uh, gotten burned one too many times. In fact, you've learned, as they say, not to get your what up? Uh, that's right. Not to get your hopes up. Well, at the end of the movie, um, Andy writes this letter to Red. Dear Red, if you're reading this, you've gotten out. And if you've come this far... Maybe you're willing to come a little bit further. You remember the name of that town, don't you? I could use a man to help me get my project on, the wheel, on wheels. I'll keep an eye out for you and the chessboard ready. Remember, Red, hope is a good thing. Maybe the best of things. And no good thing ever dies. I'm hoping that this letter finds you and finds you well. Your friend, Andy. Well, in short, that's what I want to do today. I want to to show you why hope really is a good thing. Uh, Maybe the best of things. And why um, we need hope today. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us the reason we have for hope as followers of Jesus. Listen to this. In those days you were living apart from Christ... You lived in this world without God and without what? Without hope. But now, you belong to Christ Jesus. Listen, the reason you and I have hope, the reason you and I have freedom, you know, we talk a lot about freedom this weekend, the reason you and I have those things is that we are in Christ, he says. We have hope. If you put your, your, your trust in Christ, you can always be hopeful. And I want to give you six reasons this morning why uh, we have hope and why hope is such a good thing. Uh, I always, I always have hope because in Christ I now live a life of no condemnation. No No condemnation. Look at Romans 8 verse 1. So now there is what? What are the next two words? No condemnation. For those who belong to Christ Jesus. You know what? Sometimes I like to think that even if there was no such thing as a home in heaven, it would be worth becoming a follower of Jesus just to have a clear conscience. I can live guilt-free without condemnation. Man, that right there, that is good news. You know, it's good news because, you know, one of the number one causes of hopelessness is guilt. You know, it's shame. You know, we, we violate our own standards, much less God's. And then we think, you know what? I could never be forgiven for that. You know, I, I'm going to carry this with me for the rest of my life. I am I am damaged goods. And that is exactly how many of you feel in this room. And that's why you, you don't have a sense of, of hope. And so the more guilt you carry, the more hopeless you, come, you become. But... You don't have to live that way today. Look at Hebrews 7.19. nineteen. Let's Listen to this. Now, we have a far better hope for Christ makes us what? What's it say? Christ makes us... Okay, that would be you've got to put the slide up. I guess we're having problems. Okay, well, then I'll read it to you. Listen to this. That's why I, I don't look at the screen very often. And when I do, it makes me angry. Okay, now, uh, but I have hope, Joey. I have hope. Okay, you better have hope. Anyway, okay, now, he knows I'm playing. Man, he worked so hard with me the other day for that chicken. He did a great job out there with me. Um, Anyway, listen to this. Now, we have a far better hope for Christ makes us acceptable to God, and we may draw near to him. You know what that means? That means that you and I don't have to be afraid of God anymore. Once we put our trust in Christ. Why? Listen to this. Because Jesus took every sin you have ever committed. Every sin you are going to commit, and he has already paid for it on the cross. Everything. You don't have to pay for it. Man, is that that good news or what? I mean, Jesus literally took a beating so you could stop beating up yourself. In Christ, you are now and forevermore acceptable to God, not based on what you have done, but based on what Christ has done for you. I mean, right there, we have hope. I mean, we could just close up shop today and go home with number one. You know what I mean? That, that's enough reason to never lose hope, that I don't have to carry the guilt anymore for anything I've ever done wrong. Now, but it gets better. Not only does God take care of my past, he also takes care of my present. I can always have hope. Because in Christ, number two, I live a life of no domination. No domination. Write that word down. You know, some of you feel like you are being dominated by something. You you feel hopeless today because life feels out of control and you feel like you have no power, especially in, the, in this idea of power to change. You, you find yourself thinking, you know what, I don't, I don't have power to change. I, I, I know what's right. I know what I ought to do, but I, but I don't do what's right. I don't have the power to do it. You know, I've, I, I know this habit is bad for me, but I still do it. I know this hang up is still messing up my life but it still has a hold on me i know this relationship is bad i know it's self-destructive but i still cling to it i don't have power i don't have the power to change have you ever felt that way ever felt dominated by something listen that's why you and i need christ because in christ he gives us a power that we don't have We plug into His power and and that is the answer to both when your life feels like it's out of control and when you feel like you can't change. Look at Romans 8 verse 2. It says, For the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you, has set you free through Christ Jesus from the power of sin that leads to death. From the power of sin that leads to death. Now what he's describing there. Is, is, is a vicious cycle. Sin is a vicious cycle. It goes from temptation, fall, guilty, shame. I'm, I'm tempted, I fall for it, I'm guilty, I feel ashamed. I'm tempted, I fall for it, I feel guilty, I'm ashamed. It, it, it's this vicious cycle. And the Bible says that you don't have to stay in that cycle. That God will actually give you The power to change. And the amazing thing is, the more I yield control of my life to God, the more free I become. As I give control of my life to God, he sets me free from all those other things that are controlling me. Look at this verse, Ephesians 3.20. It says, God's mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we could ever dare to ask or even dream of, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. God says, I'll give you the power to change. There's hope. In fact, he says, why don't you think of the greatest thing that you'd like to have done in your life? He says, I can top that. You just got to plug into my power. You have a power. I mean, we either believe in the power of the resurrection or we don't. We either believe that God gives us the ability to change or we don't. Let's just close up and go home if we don't believe that. So I have a life of no condemnation. I can live a life of no domination. And then number three, I live a life of no desperation. God gives us the miraculous ability to use everything that happens in our life in a plan for His will. That I don't have to live in despair. Now, here, here is the truth, okay? Let me shoot really straight with you here this morning. Life is just a series of problems, okay? And you want some encouragement today, but guess what? Life is a series of problems. That's the truth. You know, it's just a series of one problem after another problem after another problem. In fact, right now, you are in one of three situations. You've either just come out of a problem, you're going into a problem, or, you know, there's a problem, or or you're, you're coming out of one, you're in the middle of one, or you're going into one. Guess what that's called? Life. That's right. Now, but this is where it's difficult is when some of those problems seem meaningless. You know, that, that you, you can't see the purpose in them. And you say, why? Why did that happen? That's not fair. You know, and, and man, if, you, uh, if you've seen this movie, uh, The Shawshank Redemption, that's what you find. I mean, it's like when it gets worse, it, it gets even you know more worse. You say, I man, this not get worse for this guy. And it keeps getting worse. And, and you know, you find yourself asking why. Listen, have we not as a community recently you know had those questions asked? You know, why? Why did this happen? You know, but when you see a purpose behind a problem, when you could see that God can bring something good even out of a out of a difficulty or a pain, that gives you hope. Well, according to the word, God has a purpose. For everything. Every problem that we go through. No matter how big, how small, he has a purpose for it. Look at Romans 828. And we know that God causes what? All things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, first of all, I want you to notice what this verse does not say, because a lot of people misunderstand this verse. It does not say That all things are good. Okay? Obviously. All things are not good. All things are not good on this side of eternity in in the world. Cancer is not good. Okay? Rape, not good. Bankruptcy, not good. Again, this is not heaven. This is earth. It also doesn't say all things work out the way that I want them to. We'd like for it to say that, wouldn't we? But it doesn't. It doesn't say all things have a happy ending. That's not true. All things on earth don't have a happy ending. There are some very sad things to this this life. So what does it say? It says we know that God causes all things to work together for good. So what is included in all things? Everything. Everything. Does that include illness? Does that include marriage problems? Bankruptcy? Cancer? Divorce? Murder? What about my own mistakes? Can God bring good out of evil? You bet he can. We've all been witness to that. Let me ask you another question. What about the crucifixion? Any, any good come out of that? And yet though, was it not evil? I mean, it was evil to nail Jesus to a cross. It was evil to torture him. It was evil to, to stab him. It was, it was evil to do everything that they did to him. It was evil, but God brought something good out of it. God even uses our own mistakes, our hurts, and the things we feel most shameful about. And if we allow him to, he has the ability to work it together for good in our lives. But that is not a promise for everybody, by the way. It says here that only believers have this promise. Notice, God causes all things to work together for good. Listen to this. To those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. All things don't work together for good. For those who don't love God. You know, it it doesn't work that way for everybody in the world. But, when, when we come to God and we say, God, here are all the pieces of the puzzle of my life. You know, here's the good, the bad, the ugly. Here, is, here are the parts that I am most ashamed of. And we give it all to God. He has this miraculous ability if we let him to work it together for good. Man, that's a reason for hope. I mean, again, if we just stop right there and we, we looked at these first three and we said, you know what? No matter what I face in this life, No matter how difficult things might get. Because God forgives me and he he erases my guilt. I I live under no condemnation. The power of Jesus breaks my bad habits. You know, I, I don't have to be dominated by anything in this life. And his purpose transforms my problems. I mean, that's amazing. That's reason for hope. But that's not it. We're only halfway through. He says there's three other things that you, you and I get as benefits when we give our life to Christ. Number four, I always have hope because in Christ, I live a life without intimidation. Intimidation. I don't have to be afraid. You know, fear is another cause of hopelessness. When you're full of fear, there's no way you can be full of of hope so let me ask you what what are you afraid of fear of criticism fear of being rejected fear of being lonely your whole life fear of failure fear of death what's your fear i've told you this before 365 times in the bible god says fear what fear not why he says i want you to get the point You know, one time for every day of the year, 365 times. Don't be afraid. He says, I'm with you. I will protect you. Romans 8.31. So what should we say about this? If God is for us, no one can defeat us. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, God is not only with you all the time. He's actually for you. I mean, does that not relieve a few fears that God is on my side, that nothing can intimidate me? I mean, would you agree that one plus God always equals a majority? I mean, I put God on my side. I can take on the world. I got nothing to fear. Now, talking about summer reading, how many of you, I mean, you're sick if you do this, but let's just admit it. Let's admit our sin this morning, confess. How many of you have ever read the last chapter of a book to go ahead and relieve the suspense? I mean, you went ahead and cut... To like the last, okay, there's a few people, you know, you're sick, you know, but you do that because, you know, you want to, you know, kind of relieve the suspense. You know, does he get the girl? Does he or she die? You know, all these kinds of things. What happens at the very end? Now, guess what? You ready for this? I have read the last chapter of the Bible. In fact, I've read the last book. Okay, here we go. You ready? Spoiler alert. You ready? Guess what? We win. We win. Now, you and I might lose a few battles here and there. But guess what? Ultimately, we win. I mean, you know, when you think about this, when you think that, that, you know, I know who I am in Christ. I am forgiven. I have been set free. I don't, I have, you know, I have nothing to have to be afraid of. Oh my goodness, you you can walk around in confidence in power and in hope. Number five, I always have hope because in Christ, I can live a life uh, without limitation. Without limitation. The fact is, God has promised to meet every single one of your needs if you'll let Him do it. If you'll trust Him. He'll meet your emotional needs, your physical needs, your spiritual needs, your relational needs. Look at this verse, Romans 8, 32. Since God did not spare even his own son for us, but he gave him up for us all, won't he surely give us everything else? In other words, if God loves me enough to send Jesus to die on a cross for me, doesn't he care enough about me to take care of all the rest of my needs? The answer is obvious. Of course he does. Philippians 4, 19. Listen to this. And my God will meet some of your needs. It doesn't say that, does it? No. What does it say? And my God will meet what? All of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. When you get an insurance policy and you know what it covers, you don't worry anymore about what it covers. God says, here is my insurance policy. I will cover everything for believers. By the way, that should have an impact on your giving. Because here's the bottom line. How much do you trust God? I mean, do you believe him when he says, I will care for all of your needs if you trust me? Because really, when we don't give and we don't give biblically, we think, well, if I give, I won't have anything to meet my needs. I need this for my own needs. And I think God says, okay, let's see who you trust then yourself or me. You know, are you going to trust yourself to meet all of your needs according to your riches? Or will you put your trust in God to meet all of your needs according to his riches? Whose bank account are you going to trust? And God says, if you trust me, I will meet all of your needs. And if you don't, if you trust yourself, he says, I don't promise to meet all your needs. I want you to learn to trust me. So the bottom line is, how much do you trust God? I mean, if you don't believe the verse where he says, my God will supply all of your needs. Then just cut that verse out of the Bible. But if it's true that he says, "I promise to meet all your needs," then you can start giving by faith, by revelation, biblically, consistently, as an act of worship, in a greater way than you ever thought possible. Let me give you another reason we have to never lose hope. This is it, number six. I always have hope because I can li- because in Christ. I live a life without separation. Without separation. In other words, my future is secure. Look at this verse, Romans 8, 28 and 29. Neither life, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor spirits, nothing now, nothing in the future, no powers, nothing above us, nothing below us, nor anything else in the whole world will be able to separate us from the love of God That is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Write this down. Nothing will make God stop loving me. Nothing will make God stop loving me. Once you put your life into Christ's hands and you become a part of the family of God, you cannot lose that relationship. He says, I will always be with you. I will never abandon you. I will never forsake you. Once you put your hand, once you truly put your hand into the hand of Christ, he doesn't let go. Now, like a disobedient child, you might try to let go. You might pull away. You might want to let go, but he never lets go. Your salvation is secure. Your hope is secure. Jude said it like this in verse 24. To him who is able to keep you from falling. Not failing. Do Christians fail? Absolutely, you bet. Christians sin. Do Christians make mistakes? Yes. Do we stumble and fall and fall flat on our face? Yes. But he is able to keep you from falling away. Lamentations 3.22 says it like this. I have hope when I think of this. The Lord's love, what? Never ends. His mercy never stops. Now today we are living in a time where people are feeling hopeless. It's like there is this crisis of hope in in, in our nation and Americans have lost hope. In fact, study after study, survey after survey shows Americans no longer put hope in their government. They've lost hope in their leaders. They've lost hope in their schools. They've lost hope in their future. And when you look, at the problems that our nation is facing, sometimes it seems like it is all overwhelming. All the problems seem unsolvable. So what do we do? Well, you know, if you are a Christian in the United States of America, this is 4th of July weekend, yes, it is your responsibility to vote. But I want to make this very clear today. Even though you better vote, The hope of this world is not in a policy. The hope of this world is not in a program. The hope of this world is not in any political candidate. And believe it or not, it's not in any political party. The hope of this world is in Jesus. And before and after any ruling of any Supreme Court was made or wasn't made, that's not changed. Our mission is not changed. Our mission is still to what? Love people. Teach truth. And point people to the hope of the world. Jesus. The only one who has the power to change. Our hope is not, it is not in who we put in the White House. Our hope is who is the Lord of your house. That's our hope. Our hope is not that, you know, we we put, we put a man on the moon. No, we put a man on the cross. You did, I did, my sin, your sin. His name is Jesus. And now since we have hope in Jesus, we have these great promises of God. So how should we live? Look at our response. Ephesians 4.1 says this, live and act in a way worthy of those who, who have been chosen for such wonderful blessings as these. Listen, these are the blessings we have in Christ. This is our hope. He says, so live like it. Live like you've got a hope. 1 Peter 3.15 says, "Not not only are we to live that way, but we are to share it. Always be ready to answer anyone who asks you to explain about the what that you have. The hope. You and I have the hope of the world. And so God says, share that, share that with your neighbor, share it in your workplace, share it at your school, share it because our world needs hope. They're looking all around for it, and we've got it. Listen, here's the offer that Jesus makes to everyone. Listen to this. Look back at your outline. He offers you a life without condemnation, all your sin. All your shame, all your guilt, completely wiped out and forgiven. A life without domination. He has the power to set you free from whatever it is you're facing. A life without desperation. He has the ability for all things to work together for good so you don't have to despair. A life without intimidation. If God is with you, well, who does it, what does it matter who's against you? A life without limitation. My God meets all of my needs. I never have to worry. And then a life without separation. Nothing, nothing could ever separate me from the love of God. Is that not good news? Is that not hope? Is that not real, true freedom? That's an offer you can't refuse. If I give my life to Jesus, what do I have to lose? A lot. Shame, guilt, worry, bitterness, depression, hell. What do I have to gain? Everything. Hope. It's the greatest news in the whole world. That's why our church exists. That's why we do what we do. Because Jesus is really the hope of the world. You know, at the very end, the very end of the movie, the Shawshank Redemption read finally experiences freedom. And he discovers hope. Listen to these closing words. He says, I find I am so excited I can barely sit still or hold a thought in my head. I think it's the excitement only a free man can feel. A free man at the start of a long journey whose conclusion is, is uncertain. I hope I can make it across the border. I hope to see my friend and shake his hand. I hope the Pacific is as blue as it has been in my dream. Savior face to face. I hope one day my my ears are able to hear that trumpet sound. I hope one day I'll be able to see that sky split in half. I hope one day I hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. I hope I hope that as a church kingdom things. Sharing the hope of the world with the city and beyond. I hope. You know, today, you can experience freedom and receive hope. And it is as simple and yet as beautiful as a prayer. It's just a matter of putting your trust and your hope Thing to lose and so, so much to gain. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Thank you for the freedom that we have in Christ. Father, I just pray for that, that man or that woman, that student here today who's ready to be set free and receive hope. You know, so many come into this place week in, week out, and maybe they do feel like the hope has been kicked right out of them. And they face a a desperate situation or a desperate time. And, And I pray today they've heard loud and clear that they can and receive hope from Christ, that He is the answer to our hopelessness. Cry out to Him right now. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father,